And uh, if you could uh, reach for your Bibles, your cell phone, whatever you have the, the word on. If we could stand to our feet for the reading of God's word in Psalms 30, verse 5. Psalms 30, verse 5. And it says, For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I said, but joy comes in the morning. Father God, we just thank you and praise you, Lord. Oh, Father, the things that you will do in the morning for us, Lord. The situations that we may go through in the night, but you said it won't last, Lord. You said joy will come in the morning, Lord. Father, I just thank you for your anointing over this service, over me and the words I speak that would minister to each and every person here today, Lord. That no one would leave as they came today, Lord. Everyone would receive today and their lives be changed for your glory. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. 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 I, uh, I knew exactly what I was going to be talking about with uh, uh, joy comes in the morning because uh, so many times people that don't know the Lord think that once you become a Christian, you just have a happy life and everything is rosy and there's no problems whatsoever. But we see in this verse that that is not true. And uh, let's analyze that a little bit right now. It says God's anger uh, is uh, his anger is but for a moment. And in the Old Testament, that's usually associated with correction. And then the next part says his favor is for life. Favor lasts a lifetime. It doesn't run out. It doesn't expire. It's for a lifetime. And then the next part says weeping may endure for a night. He doesn't promise that our lives will be completely free of anything that we need to go through. He says there will be tough times. There will be things you go through. We'll be looking at another verse that talks to that too. But then he says, but joy comes in the morning. How you can have joy in the midst of that situation, no matter what it is you're going through, you can find the strength in him. Pastor Galen had alluded to that on March 13th, where his sermon was uh, strengthened by joy. How you can have joy in the midst of that situation because of who he is in you and how important that is. And then when you think about that, a new day is starting with joy. A new day is starting with joy. And so many times when you think about it, when you get through the night and you wake up the next day, don't carry what happened the next day into this day. You have a new start, a fresh start to be able to start over and to be able to get things right with everything that's taken part. And, you know, one of the things that just came to me concerning this is joy needs to be a big part of your life or you're not living or you're not living Joy needs to be a big part of your life or you are not living. And in our second verse here in Galatians 5.22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. It's the second fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. We see that it is the second fruit of the Spirit after love. And I believe that love and joy go hand in hand. I think you would be hard pressed not to have joy if you don't have love or vice versa, not to have joy if you don't have love, love without joy. Uh, it just would be very difficult to do. I just can't see that happening because when you love, you have that joy. When you have joy, that love comes from it. So we can see that that is very important concerning that. And it's the second fruit of the Spirit. How important is that? Love, joy, and peace. I believe those all go hand in hand. They're, they're very important. Then, then one of the things I want to look at, in, before we get to how to receive joy, I want to look at 
things that can steal your joy. Now, I just have a couple here, but I'm sure there's a lot more you could add to the list. But these are just the ones that popped up to me. But I know each of us might have a different list. But the things that spoke to me were the first one, things that can steal your joy, people. How many of you remember this? People, wretched people, wasting too much time with friends, working for everything, <laughs> wasting too much time with friends, wishing for their work to end, using up their lives in a perpetual holiday. People, crazy, lazy people. Now, for those of you that are new to the church, I was in a play called The Gospel According to Scrooge for five years, and that was one of the songs from that, that play. Uh, it was called Wretched People. And uh, how people can steal your joy. Uh, you know, there's, there's people, um, people that you should not be around because they are always negative. They are always uh, down and they will drag you down if you are not careful too. Now, I did not read this book, but my wife was in a book club. Uh, with, uh, and the book was Dr. Carolyn Leaf. Uh, the gift in you. And she studied the brain and what the brain does and how it reacts to different situations. Then, So she would come home and tell me about things in the book. And this stuck in my mind. She was talking about, Dr. Carolyn Leaf says, there are riverbeds created in your brain by toxic thoughts. Riverbeds, because you're so negative, there's so many, all you do is focus on the negative that there's riverbeds created in your brain to where that's what you always go to. You always look for the negative. The negative, the negative. And she was saying how it's not impossible to recreate those riverbeds river with positive thoughts, but it is very difficult once they are started. And I'm telling you today, you don't want to get there. You don't want to have them riverbeds of negative thoughts. And we all know we've been around people. Well, no matter what you tell them, they always seem to find the negative in it. They, they just always try to bring you down or they're jealous of what's happened to you and they want to say something to bring you down. I mean, we've all been around people like that and how there might need to be some changes taking place in your life because if you don't change those things, it will start to negatively affect you. We all know if you're around somebody negative for a while, it's going to brush off on you. It's going to rub off on you and how important it is. And you know, when you think about that, the same is true when you're around happy people. And you might not be in a good mood. They change your mood. They minister to you. You get uplifted. You get enjoyed because you're around them. Well, how come we don't think that about negative people? You know, there's some people and may even be family members that you just might need to distance yourself or, or cut your visit short, whatever it takes for you to just, you know, be cordial. Don't be rude or anything, but you know that you can't stay there too long because it just puts you in a, a bad mood. Here's a way to decipher if uh, you're around a happy person or a negative person. All right, say you're in a good mood. You're having a good day. You're going out to lunch with a friend or you're on the phone with them. After you are done, do you feel better, the same, or worse? And if you feel worse, there's some changes that need to take place. Oh my, that's for sure. It is very important for you to understand and know that you cannot let that go on for a long period of time because it will start to negatively affect you. There, there's no doubt about it. And how important that is for you to understand that those changes need to play, take place. And it might not be easy. It might be friends you've been around for a long time. It might be difficult. I remember this story about this woman. She would go out to lunch with these women after church. Three women, they would go out after church and they were, uh, they would go to a buffet and they would eat pretty good. And she was overweight and she just didn't like herself. 
she didn't like what she was becoming, and she didn't want to do that anymore. So she actually went to her doctor, considered a nutrition, uh, consulted a nutritionist, and she started losing weight. And they still went out to lunch after church. But she noticed that as she lost weight, she lost over like 150 pounds. And as she went out to lunch with them, she noticed that their attitude changed. And they were jealous of what she had done. And they were rude to her and unkind to her to where she had to separate herself from them and not be their friends anymore. Because she decided to get healthy. Wow. They were all happy when they were all doing the same thing. But then when she started to make a different choice and they didn't agree with it, things changed. Wow, how important it is for us to realize that some changes might need to be, take place that would have an impact on our lives. And the second thing that I look at as things that conceal your joy is attitudes, attitudes. And if we could show that slide of the, the poem, it's a, I guess that's a poem. This is from Charles Swindoll. This is, whenever I talk about attitudes, this just comes flooding back to my mind. This, I had this card in, in the front of my Bible, and it's probably 15, 20 years old. Uh, I made sure it was laminated and everything so it would last through and, and just, just ministers to me like I've never seen anything concerning attitudes. Listen to what they say. You can, it's a little small. You might not be able to read along <laughs> unless you got good eyes. Uh, listen to what it says. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It is more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. And you know as well as I do, life happens. God did not promise for every single one of us to live a rosy life if you serve him. Things will come along. Things will happen in our lives. But it's your attitude towards that situation. That'll make or break you. That'll make that situation last so much longer or last real short. Or just give you an upbeat attitude concerning it. You know, where, oh, okay, yeah, this happened. Yeah, okay, I, I could be all right with that. You know, I'm thinking about just last week. Um, uh, I was driving to work, and I, I have this car, and uh, it's a, a five-speed, uh, four-cylinder five-speed. And I knew the clutch was slipping, and I need to get it done. So I made an appointment on Wednesday last week, and I was going to uh, take it to there after, uh, before work. So uh, Tuesday morning, I'm riding to work, and I'm going up 77 to Pleasant Valley there, and it's just a little incline. It's not much. And she said, that's all she wrote. I'm not going no further. That clutch died right there, and I was able to get off over in the berm, put my hazards on. And, you know, I had a good attitude about it because, you know, everything was kind of already set. You know, I already had the appointment. I'm going to be there a day early. So I call work and I say, hey, I got a call off today. You know, I'm, I'm dead on the side of the road. I got to go a wrecker and get a, a tow truck over to the shop and everything. They're like, where you at? I'm on 77 before Pleasant We ain't got nobody to get you run, Rick. We're short-handed. We'll come get you. <laughs> so the tow truck's picking up my car. My boss is picking me up, taking me to work <laughs> because they needed me that bad. 
you know, and he's like, oh, what a bummer. I says, no, not really. As you're giving me a ride to work, I got the tow truck taking it to get it fixed. I says, you know, everything's working out rosy. I said, I even got a ride home that night too, so it worked out great, you know, and uh, so I can't complain, but it was my attitude through that whole situation, because how many of you know when your car breaks down, that could be a stressful situation? Oh my, you don't know who to call or what to do, or if the weather's bad, you call AAA and they're going to be three hours before they get to you, and the motor's not running, it's cold out? Oh my, that could be very stressful, but your attitude in the midst of that situation can change everything. It can change the whole outlook on, on what's happening to you. And you know, one other story I remember about this, this was many years ago, many years, <coughs> last week, uh, many years ago, many years ago, uh, we were at our other house in Cleveland, and I remember coming home from work, I was a machinist at the time, and I just had a really hard day, a really long day, and uh, my wife usually cuts the grass, and the lawnmower had died, and we had gotten a lawnmower from her mother. And uh, she says, you're going to have to cut the grass. I can't pull this thing. It was a commercial lawnmower. So it had a lot of compression, really hard to pull. And I said, okay, I guess I'll cut the grass. So I go and pull this thing a couple times, and it, it's hard starting. And then I pull it like a third time, and the ripcord broke off in my hand. <laughs> and, you know, at that moment, I could have shouted for joy and thanked the Lord. Oh, this will be great. This will work out. No problem. But I lost it. I lost it. Oh my, I looked at that thing and I threw it and there was a shovel laying there. I grabbed that shovel and I hit that lawnmower, hit that lawnmower. And then I picked it up. I fell at the incredible halt and I threw it across the yard. And my wife is, Rick, Rick, the neighbors are watching. The neighbors are watching. The neighbors are watching. And unbeknownst to me, the neighbor was out there with their two young daughters, DJ and Brittany. And DJ looks up at her mom and says, is Wick in Big 12 now? And I just went in the house, and you know, the Lord convicted me that I needed to apologize to those two little girls. And I asked the mom to bring them over, and I sat them down. I said, you know, what I did wasn't right. I really lost my attitude. Do you forgive me? They said, we forgive you, Rick. We forgive you. We forgive you. But how that, that ministered to them, me seeing, me losing my attitude, but then asking them for forgiveness also because they knew what I did was wrong. How those things can affect you. How how it is so important for us to keep a good attitude in the midst of a situation. We all know life's going to happen. We all know there are going to be things we're going to go through that will be difficult, that will not be easy. But man, your attitude can keep you in joy. It's very important to, to hang on to that. And then the third thing I look at, things that can steal your joy, is uh, circumstances, stress, and worry. Um, Let's go ahead and show the video real quick. I've seen this on YouTube, and it just ministered to me. I just had to show it to you. How heavy is this glass of water? Melissa, would you care to answer? Um, eight ounces. Twelve ounces. Sixteen ounces. The absolute weight of the glass doesn't matter. It depends on how long I hold on to it. If I hold it for a minute, nothing happens. If I hold it for an hour, my arm will begin to ache. If I hold it all day long, my arm will feel numb and paralyzed. Well, the weight of the glass hasn't changed, but the longer I hold on to it, the heavier it becomes. The stresses and the worries of life are like this glass of water. If you think about them for a little while, there's no problem. Think about it for a little bit longer, it begins to hurt think about them all day long and you'll feel paralyzed incapable of doing anything always remember 
put the glass down. Isn't that the truth? That just ministered me. Even though that's not a Christian video, that still has spiritual implications. Wow, how we need to, we need to be reminded in a stressful situation to put the glass down. How important that is. Wow. And you know, when you think about that, the verse that ties in with this too is in James 1 and uh, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now, some people could misconstrue this. He's not saying that, that you know, every situation is going to be joyful. No, he's saying when life happens, you can have joy in the midst of that situation. That you don't need to be concerned about it. That when you give it to him, he will work on your behalf. How important that is for us to let go and let him. Wow, how important that is. And, uh, you know, one thing I thought about concerning this is a, a story about my sister. This was a couple years ago. And uh, how we were working on my front porch. And the whole, the whole cement base just kind of fell in. It imploded. And we were taking it apart. And uh, we were over at my dad's garage. And uh, she was up on the loft, nine feet in the air, getting some two-by's for, for us. And I was like at the front of the garage. It's a 40-by-60 building. And I remember turning around, and she had put her hand on the railing, and the railing was secure, and she started to fall nine feet to the cement floor. And I remember screaming her name as I ran towards her, Becky! And then uh, it was so weird. I seen her. She was facing me when she was falling. And then she turned in the air, and she landed on her feet, and the momentum was so great, then it bounced her on her back. And she was in excruciating pain when she hit the floor. But you know, that was num miracle number one. She didn't land on her head. She's still living. Nine feet fall to a cement floor. And then, you know, we called 911 as soon as, as soon as we got to the phone and that. And at this time, it was Hinkley had a volunteer fire department. So they call the fireman at home. Then he goes to the firehouse, gets the ambulance. And then he comes to where you're at. And it just seemed like an eternity. And she's in excruciating pain. And a policeman got there like five, ten minutes after it happened. And, uh, you know, there wasn't a whole lot he could do. We were just all waiting for the ambulance to get there. And she was in so much pain. And I remember her looking at me with these big eyes. And she says, Rick, please pray. So I started praying. In a situation like that, you're not sure how to pray. So I'm a born-again, spirit-filled Christian, and I just started praying in the Holy Ghost. And she told me later that that officer, he was like behind me, his eyes got as big as saucers, and he wasn't sure what was going on, what was happening. You know, and then the ambulance finally came, and they got her to uh, this medical place facility in Brunswick. And this is miracle number two. This guy had her on some pain medication now, so she's doing a lot better. And uh, he looks at her ankle. And uh, what I had seen, uh, what I thought was a compound fracture, the bone sticking out of the skin, was cartilage. She had just dislocated her ankle. He's, oh, we can fix this right now. Uh, and he pops it back in place. That is miracle number two. So then because of the injuries in her back, they sent her down to Metro. And she was telling me how she remembers they were talking about the x-rays that they're going to take. And how her vertebrae, they called it a starburst fracture in her lower vertebrae. And that's where the, the vertebrae just shatters, but it didn't go anywhere. It's still right there. And they were telling her how that she needs to uh, take an x-ray when she's sitting down and when she's standing up. And uh, if uh, her spine doesn't move, then all she'll have to do is wear a back brace. Otherwise, she'll need surgery. And she remembers those thoughts just flooding through her mind. Am I ever going to walk again? Is everything going to be okay? What's going to happen? What am I going to do? And she said that peace just came over her. And she just knew that everything was going to be all right. Everything's going to be okay. That was miracle number three. 
She, all she needed was to wear a back brace with a starburst fraction in her lower vertebrae. And then the other part of this, too, is when they brought her down to Metro, they did an MRI. They found third-stage breast cancer in her. But because she fell, they found it early. And they were able to deal with that. She had some surgery and some chemotherapy in that. They didn't have to do a mastectomy. But because she fell, they found it earlier than when she would have got her mammogram. She was saying it like might have been a year or so before she would have gotten a, a mammogram. So, you know, who knows what could have happened with that. That's miracle number four. And amen. Amen. And you know, the one thing I need to add to this is her going through this whole situation, her attitude was amazing. She wasn't, woe is me, and oh, why'd this happen to me? You know, she's, oh, you know, look, look, I'm walking. Man, I'm grateful to be alive. She was grateful and thankful to be alive. You know, how God brought her through that situation. It's just, just amazing. And when you, when you think about that, you know, to have peace in the midst of the storm, and I'm always reminded of the Air Force has this plane. I don't know if you ever see it. It's got a big disc on top to collect a bunch of data when they drive into the eye of a hurricane. And they said, they, the pilots were talking about how, you know, the plane is getting all, you know, just shaking around. It's just unbelievable trying to drive through a hurricane to the eye of the hurricane. And they all said when they got to the eye of the hurricane, it was calm. It was peaceful. There was nothing going on in the eye of the hurricane. That's peace in the midst of the storm peace in the midst of the storm. How important that is that we need to be able to receive that, that peace in the midst of the storm concerning those things. Wow. Wow. So then the other thing I wanted to look at too is, um, you know, how to receive joy. You know, we looked at the things that seal joy. And like I said, there's probably a lot of other things you could add to that list also. Uh, but uh, how to receive joy. And the number one way that I can see to receive joy is to give joy, to be joyful, and to let it be contagious. You know, uh, we read in the, the fruit of the Spirit, is uh, the second fruit of the Spirit is joy. Well, when you think of fruit, how do you get fruit? You've got to plant seeds. Seeds got to be planted in order for you to reap a harvest. So that's the same with joy. You give joy to receive joy. And then also, just by accepting the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, that brings you great joy. But we all know that he doesn't promise us all roses and, uh, you know, wonderful life ever after. No, it doesn't work that way. But then because of that decision, you have the strength and the access to the kingdom to be able to make it through any situation in your life. Amen? Amen. And how important that is for us to, you know, when, like I said, you know, being around a happy person, it lifts your countenance, lifts your, your, your spirit. The same is true with joy. When you're around a joyful people, you just get lifted up yourself. How that ministers to you. You want to be around them more often. You know, you might even get to the point where you ask them, why are you always so happy? Why are you always so joyful? You know, it's, it's so important for us to be mindful of that and to be able to sow joy in order to reap joy. And then the second one, uh, it's huge. Words of encouragement can bring joy. We all know that. Words of encouragement can bring joy. How many of you know that, that negative words can have a huge impact, but encouraging words can have a huge impact also? There's no doubt about that. A person finds, this is a, Proverbs 15, 23. A person finds joy in an apt reply and how good is a timely word. Wow, that is so important for you to just be encouraging to someone else or just receiving those words from somebody being encouraging to you. 
And uh, we know that words can have a huge impact on our lives. When you were growing up, you know, bullies, they would say the cruelest thing. Sometimes when I was on a playground, you would hear the most cruelest things you would ever hear in your life. That kids could even come up with that. That's just the enemy giving them words trying to hurt somebody. Oh, it's just unbelievable. And, you know, I remember about, uh, how many of you remember the singer Karen Carpenter? And uh, I remember the story about how she was being interviewed, and uh, they were talking with the reporter in that. And it was Richard Carpenter and his sister, Karen Carpenter, and he was referring to her as the chubby one. And that had an impact in her. It sowed a seed in her mind to where she always thought she was fat. She always thought she needed to lose weight to where she became anorexic and died from it. Because of somebody's words years and years ago. Wow. Wow. The power words can have over you. And I'm here to tell you today, when those negative words are spoken over you, you have the power to refuse to accept those words, to get rid of them, not to linger on them. Because if you linger on them, it will affect you. God has given you the power to overcome those words, to not let them take root in you. You need to, to get rid of them, cast them aside, or else it will have an effect on your life. And then, you know, what uh, uh, kind of ties in with this is laughter can uh, just bring incredible joy. Oh, if anybody don't know me, I like a good laugh at least 100 times a day. Oh, I got to find something to be laughing about or joyful about. And it is so important. Do you know, I heard this story about comedians. When they go to a nightclub, if they think it's a really rough crowd, they're kind of feeling the room. Or if a, a manager tells them, hey, we got a rough crowd tonight, buddy. You better be on your best game. They have people on speed dial that they can call and come and they'll just laugh at anything they say. They're laughers. They pay them to laugh in it. Why do they do that? Because the laughter is contagious. They laugh at anything and everything. And then before you know it, the whole room is laughing. And they think they're having a good set, but it's really not that good because they just got one person laughing at everything. Oh, how important. I was so amazed by that. I did not know that. But how laughter is contagious. Oh, that is so true. Laughter is contagious. You know, I remember uh, uh, my grandma, my grandma Alice. And when you would go over there, she would laugh at everything. Every single thing you said, everything that come out of your mouth, whether it was negative, positive or not, she would laugh and then give me an answer. Hey, grandma, you know, my car broke down on the road today and uh, you know, I got to get it fixed now. <laughs> I'm sorry you didn't, Rick, but I'm sure it'll get fixed. You'll be all right. <laughs> You know, hey, Grandma, our dog got hit by the car today, and we got to take him to bed. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sorry. It'll be all right. <laughs> It'll be okay. Don't worry about it. You know, and then she'd tell us, oh, you know, Grandpa was getting kind of violent with me. He's in his wheelchair, and he's trying to hit me with his cane. What'd you do, Grandma? What'd you do? Oh, you know what? He's, he's in that wheelchair, so I just walked in the other room. He can't chase me. <laughs> I mean, just how important that is to have some laughter in your life. Oh, my, because life is too short not to find something to laugh about. And you know, the other thing I, I heard about, this was many years ago, how they did a survey. They had like uh, six or eight people, let's say eight people, and they had four people uh, that would just kind of went through surgery and would kind of heal on their own. And then they had other four people where they would play them funny videos. And all day long, you know, whatever they wanted to watch, you know, TV or something, they'd give them these funny videos. And they found that the people that were laughing more often healed quicker. Healed quicker. 
Why? Because that changes your attitude. It, it changes your mind. It changes your thinking. And it helps you to be able to overcome those situations quicker than what would normally happen. And then the, the third one, uh, a lot of us can relate to this. Music will help with attitudes and stress in a heartbeat. Oh, when you think about uh, black gospel or some uplifting songs, you know, that, that just really just gets you out of that funk and just really put your mind on something else, it can really have a difference in your life. Music is huge and how important that is for us to be able to use these things to remove uh, those situations in our life, to not have that negative mindset take root in us, to, to be able to overcome that and have joy. Now, I'm not telling you to ignore ignore the situation and just, oh, the Lord's God, he's going to deal with it. I don't have to worry about it at all. Oh, they're foreclosing on my house, but I don't have to worry. Yet. He's going to take care of it. No, I'm not telling you that at all. I'm telling you in the midst of a situation, you can have joy. You can have joy and rely on him to work out those situations, but not to ignore the situation, but to rely on him. And the last one I see is this one has just impacted me so greatly unexpected blessings can bring you great joy. Unexpected blessings. You remember I was telling you about that play I was in? Well, you know, the last day of the play, we had done that play for five years and it sold out almost every single one. And the last uh, play, uh, I had had a uh, um, uh, 2001 um, Chevy Cavalier that blew a head gasket. I had 220,000 miles on it. I was looking for a car. And they said, hey, Rick, we know that all you wanted was a bag of M&Ms to do the play in that. And I said, yeah, okay. They said, well, we got you the bag, and we want you to cut it open and share it with the cast. So I cut the bag open, and I dump it in a bowl, and there's a key to a 1999 Mercedes ML430. It, somebody had donated to their church, and they gave it to me. You talk about joy. Oh, my goodness. Unexpected blessing. Wow. That was incredible. Just incredible. And then, you know, as the gas prices started to rise, I, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, you know, I really need to get another car. I didn't ask him to give me another car. I said, I really need to get another car because this is a, a V8 in it. And I drive like close to 300 miles a week going back and forth to work and on the weekend. And I needed something that was a little more economical and didn't hurt me so much at the pump. And uh, I remember this friend of mine I did some handyman work for. He says, hey, Rick, you want to come over and look at this Volkswagen? I got, yeah, sure. And uh, he had a, a 2001 Volkswagen um, uh, GTI, four-cylinder, five-speed. And I said, wow, this is really nice. This is exactly what I need. And the GTI is like the step above a golf. And uh, it's, it's loaded, got everything in it. And uh, I went and looked at it. I took it for a test drive, and I come back. And we're walking into his house. And I said, Lord, do you want me to buy this car? And just immediately in my spirit, I got a check. And just knew right away, he said, do not buy this car. Now, I didn't sense anything was wrong with it or anything like that. He just didn't want me to buy it. I said, okay. And this guy's a Christian. So I told him, I says, you know what? I just got to check on my spirit. I just can't buy this car. And uh, he says, okay, I can respect that. So it was a couple days later. He gets, calls me on the phone. He says, Rick, you still interested in that car? I says, yeah. He says, why don't you come over and get it? He says, I got four cars in the driveway. I got to get rid of one. Just come and get it. And my sister went with me, went and picked it up, and he gave me that car. Wow, that's two cars that the Lord has given me. That'll bring you great joy. Oh, my. That will, without a doubt. 
It is so important for us to understand when we receive those unexpected blessings to be happy about it, to be joyful about it. Wow, how important that is. And then, you know, I remember another time when uh, um, Alexander that was here, uh, he had talked about how this friend of his uh, that he had known for some time calls him up one day out of the blue and says, hey, you know, uh, I'm taking a trip to Israel. I said, oh, wow, that's great. He says, I want you to go with me. All expenses paid. Wow, are you kidding me? Took him all the way to Israel. All expenses paid. That will bring you great joy. Wow, you'll remember that for years to come. That is so important. Wow, how, how important it is for us to look for those ways to receive joy in the midst of every situation. How important it is for us to realize that, to know and understand what we need to do, what, our, our, uh, uh, what we need to do on our behalf. There's, there's so much you can do, and then there's so much you, let, you give to the Lord. And a lot of times what happens is you're not letting go of that situation so the Lord can't work in it. You need to let go of that situation and give it to Him. Because if you're still trying to control it, you're still trying to take care of it, and that, there's nothing He can do. But it's when you finally say, Lord, I need help in this situation, I give it to you. That's when he can move on your behalf. That's when things can happen for you concerning that. If we could have the worship team come up now. And you know, I've said all these things, and you just sit there and wonder, well, what is the point of everything I just said? And when you think about it, life can be a roller coaster. There are peaks and valleys but if you understand the valley is only temporary, you will get through it quicker. There are seasons you will go through, but seasons always change. They always change. Now imagine if you're in the water and the water's just above, uh, just below your neck, and you are chained and anchored in the water, and the tide is coming up. That's the stress and the worries of this life. And it, the water is getting higher and higher and higher. And it's keeping you from moving your chain down. What are you going to do? You know, like my sister was in that situation where these thoughts just kept flooding in. And what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? That's when that peace needs to come in. That's when you need to relinquish that. Let go of it and say, Lord, I need your help. I need you to take place to, to move in this situation. And, and some of you in this room right now might feel that way, where life is just kind of beating you down, just pushing you under the waves, where it's just too much for you to handle. And I'm here to tell you today that you need to just let go and let God. Let go and let God. How important that is for us to understand and know what He desires to do in our situation, that He desires to, to free us from that. It's so important. When you, you let the God of the universe free you from those chains, arise above your situation, you can truly experience joy when you allow him to do this. In order for this to happen, we have to be willing to let go or put the glass down. Put the glass down. How important that is for us to do that. And the key here is not to pick it back up again not to pick it back up again. So many times we've all been in that situation. I've been in that situation where you're in a stressful situation and you know, you finally get it under control and you're like, Lord, I just give this to you. I'm just not going to worry about it no more. I'm just going to let you take care of it. I'm not going to even think about it anymore. And it's like, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, a day later, whatever, you start thinking about it again, you get all worked up about it again. That, that maybe it seems like it's gotten worse. 
You know, and you, you start getting involved in it again and your emotions start getting high and you're like wondering what's going to happen. You're picking it back up again. You're not letting that peace flood your life. You're letting those emotions flood your life. And how many of you know, we all know that the emotions flooding your life are not good. There could be no good that comes from that. That you'll make the wrong decision every time. But in the midst of that peace, you can make the right decisions. How important that is. Oh, if you need joy in your life, you need to let go of the things that steal your joy. How important that is for us to realize that we need to do that, every single one of us. We need to understand and know in order for us to have that joy, we need to let go of those things that would steal our joy. We need to find a way to receive that joy, not just fleeting, not just for a minute, but for a lifetime. To have that attitude, to have that vision, to always look for the good, always look for the joy, always look for the, the encouragement, not to always look for the negative. And, uh, you know, we've all been around that where some people, they just, I don't know what it is. They're just bent that way. The riverbeds are taking over. And everything they, you say, everything that you do is just negative. How many of you, and I'm dating myself, how many of you remember the old cartoon, Gulliver's Travels? Yeah, oh, there's a couple of them. Oh, my, I'm dating myself now. Wow. Boy, a lot of you younger people don't remember that. But there was a character in this. Gulliver's Travels. That was the guy that was uh, big and it, there was the little people. He was like the giant in this island. He got shipwrecked in that. And there was always this one little guy, and I don't know why it sticks with me. He just always said during any situation, no matter what was taking place, it'll never work. It'll never work. It'll never work. It'll never. He was just always so negative. That's all he ever said. That was his whole part. That was his whole line in the whole cartoon. It'll never work. It'll never work. It'll never work. Those are people you don't want to be around. You want to find somebody that says, no, this ain't so bad. Oh, you could do that. Oh, you could get through that. Wow. Do you know how many times I have heard about people that weren't sure they could do something and then they got a word of encouragement and they went and did it. Wow. How important that is. How important that is. You know, I seen a, a video just a couple weeks ago about this kid. He was real young. He's about five, six years old, and he was in school, and he's always just kind of moving around and that. He's kind of spastic and everything, and the, the teacher was having a hard time with them, you know, and he just didn't know what to do with them and that. And all the kids are like, we stop moving, stop shaking. What are you doing? Why are you always doing that? You know, he's getting ridiculed from his friends and stuff and that. And then finally, the teacher said, you know what? I need you to stay after class today. So he said, oh, man, now I'm in trouble now. What am I going to do now? Oh, boy. And he says his name, the teacher's name was Mr. Jensen. And he said, Mr. Jensen said, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with you. He says, I, I don't see anything wrong with what you're doing. He says, you know what I think? And he slides open his desk drawer. He pulls out a set of drumsticks. He says, I think you're a drummer. He says, here you go. He said, ever since then, because of those words of encouragement, he became just a well-known drummer and he would go around the country just encouraging uh, youth and, and high school students and that, college students and that, just for them to go after their dream, to go after what God has instilled in them. Because that one teacher took the time to say, you're a drummer and not be negative to him. Wow, that can have a huge impact on your life. Huge impact. If we could just bow our heads right now. You know, everything that has just taken place today, I believe something I said today is ministering to you right now. That's what we prayed before service. That's why I was praying during service. And that's what I pray right now. That something I said ministers to you this day. 
that you would not leave as you came. And I just want to pray for you. If you're in a situation, if you just need to find a way to have joy in a situation, I just want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. Whatever it is, whatever you're going through, and don't think it's too small. I don't want to bother the Lord with that. I'm telling you, He wants to know about every aspect of your life. Every aspect of your life. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hands right now so I can pray for you. So I can pray for you concerning that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In the midst of every situation, we can have joy. It's not saying that you will not go through the trials or the tribulations. It's saying that you're relying on Him, that He is your rock. He is your fortress. He is your El Shaddai, more than enough. Father God, we just thank you for everyone that needs that today, Lord. We thank you for who you are and what you desire to do in each and every person here today, Lord. Father, I thank you that in the midst of stressful situations, they would turn to you, Lord. They would not let their emotions run awry, but they would turn to you. That peace would just flood that situation. Just like my sister when they were about to x-ray her. That peace just flooded her mind instead of those thoughts racing. We just bind and rebuke those thoughts right now in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for replacing them with thoughts of you, Lord. In the midst of that storm, that they could have peace, Lord, that passes all understanding. We thank you for that now, Lord, for what you are doing on their behalf, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Jesus, that they can have joy in the midst of any situation. For your glory, Lord, that joy would come in the morning and the noontime and the day. Oh, Father, we thank you for that right now, for what you are doing on their behalf. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen, amen. amen.